That smooth Christian jazz you're hearing means you've tuned in to Same Old Song, the lectionary podcast of Mockingbird Ministries. I'm your co-host, Aaron Zimmerman. I'll be joined by Jacob Smith as each week we break down the lectionary readings for the upcoming Sunday to give you something to think about, and if you're a preacher, to give you something to preach about, and no matter who you are, to give you a connection to the never-changing message of God's grace for actual people like you. Unzip that monogrammed faux leather Bible carrying case and cover, pull up a chair, and let's dig in. Okay, well here we are. It is uh, the first Sunday in Holy Week. Uh, this is Get your palm branches and your donkeys! What is it? Ride on, ride on. You know that song, that hymn, yeah. Ride on, ride on in majesty? When yes. I was a kid, I used to think Do it was, I know it? I, when I was a kid, I used to think it was like right on King Jesus. Right on, man. Right on, King <laughs> Jesus. So I was like, you do you. It's <laughs> funny how those those hymns get mixed up in your head. We know somebody that used to sing, you know that uh, Christmas carol? Um, well, I think everyone knows it. Is it uh, O Come All You Faithful? It has a, mm-hmm. which one is it? It goes, um, Word of the Father, yeah. mm-hmm. now in flesh appearing. Yeah. Oh, it's O Come Let the Door. Yeah. Um, o Come All You Faithful, you were right. Yeah, okay, good. So, Word of the Father, mm-hmm. but one of our friends used to always say, Word to the Father. <laughs> word like, to Word. The and so, every time I sing that hymn, I always say, Word to the Father. Anyways, but that's the wrong There's a video of Melina when she's three singing Silent Night. Uh, in church, and she had a little solo, but she didn't. She goes round yon Burberries. <laughs> the blessed Burberry. Round yon Burberry. So. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's the um, best. So here we are. Okay, let's get back really into quick, Holy Week. Really quick. So we were at Holy Week, and uh, you know, uh, the idea of the Sunday of the Passion as well is like a relatively new idea, kind of in the Episcopal Church, probably like, you know, uh, you know, uh, 50 years old or so. And, uh, but uh, kind of, you know, before it was always just, this was the, the service of the Sunday, of, of the Palm Sunday. And uh, the gospel reading it from Luke 19 was the gospel reading of the day. Uh, why do you, why did, why did we like kind of flick this up, Aaron? Do you know? Uh, I mean, I'll, I don't know if I know, but I'll say oh, something. Come on, make it up. I'll make it up. So, yeah, in the Episcopal Church now, you have this thing on Palm Sunday, the Liturgy of the Palms, which is the, Jesus entering Jerusalem, riding on a donkey, the whole thing, Hosanna, Hazanna, the whole Jesus Christ superstar bit. And then you actually do like the real service, which is not the readings for the triumphal entry, the Palm Sunday readings. It's the whole passion. You basically take everything you're about to go through in Holy Week, which is Jesus having the Last Supper, Jesus being betrayed, Jesus being arrested, Jesus being crucified. So Monday, Thursday through Holy Saturday, basically, you you read that whole passion narrative in the service. Um and often you have readers reading it by parts, and uh, each one takes a different part. And uh, and it's, um, I mean, my understanding is because the idea was you would go for Palm Sunday, and it would just be Palm Sunday. That is the only reading. And then you would come back for Monday, Thursday, and you'd come back for Good Friday. So you'd get the rest of the story, and then by the time you got to Easter Sunday, you were, like, all ready to go. But as people stopped going to church in, during the week as much, you, if you didn't have Palm Sunday, like if you just had Palm Sunday, it was just Jesus on a donkey, and then the next Sunday you came to church and it was Jesus getting resurrected, you'd miss the whole Good Friday, Monday, Thursday thing, so they kind of added it to this, the, you know, the Passion Sunday 
the, on Palm Sunday. That's, that's a, my understanding of it. That's absolutely right. No, that's absolutely oh, right. I, I win. You won. I, win. Ding, I got ding, ding, it. Ding, lucky guess. I learned something um, in seminary. No, the, yeah, the idea was is that there were a lot of folks and more and less and less people could start attending the services in Holy Week. And so if you had like just the triumphal entry of Jesus and then the resurrection of Jesus on Easter, you would think that Jesus was all about triumphal entries and resurrections. And you would miss the entire kind of the hit of what it's all about. And so mm -hmm. uh, really what we do is, is this is kind of um, a little bit out of convenience, but it's to give everybody the essential of what's actually, you know, this is a preview of about what's to happen in, uh, in, the, in the coming week. And so but we open up and we have this amazing gospel for the Liturgy of the Palms, and it is uh, Jesus... Um, Jesus uh, riding into uh, Jerusalem on a donkey. And uh, what is, um, well, there's a lot going on here. But what I mean, I kind of love about it is, is that so Jesus is coming in from uh, into one of these gates. And, uh, you know, there's a lot of historians that say at the same exact time, a pilot was coming in uh, from Caesarea Maritania, which was the Roman capital on the sea, is riding up with his army. And so you have these two, you know, and Pilate's coming into Jerusalem because they're about to celebrate the Passover. The Jews are really rowdy. They're all excited. There's a Messiah on the scene. And, uh, you know, and so what he's coming up to do is to remind them that whatever their God did for them in Egypt, that doesn't matter. Rome is in charge and Caesar is the new God. And so you have these two, you can, can contrast these two images of strength and power coming in one side and then you have the other side, you have total chaos, complete weakness, absolute foolishness coming in. And that's Jesus's, that's Jesus's entry. But I mean, but it's kind of like what we talked about last week between Judas and Mary. You know, what's the appearance is not the reality at all. Uh, you know, with Jesus, the appearance is uh, completely out of control. But the reality is, is he's in complete control. And, uh, and what's powerful is that this passage can actually speak to your life. The appearance may be I've got it together. The appearance may be a happy marriage. The appearance may be well put together children. Uh, but the reality is, is that there's a deep suffering in all of our lives. So Jesus's reality uh, can break through our appearance and speak directly to our reality. That's what I would say about this passage on Palm Sunday. Yeah, and if I were going to talk about the, passion, the, the, the Palm Sunday narrative, the triumphal entry, uh, there's a word here about the humility of Jesus riding on a donkey. Um, but I think the thing that always strikes me is this spontaneous, exuberant reaction of the crowd. And it comes from a place of need. It comes from a place because they think that Jesus is coming to rescue them, which he is. He's not going to do it the way they think, but he is. So to me, it's a... It's sort of this massive, like, exultant sigh of relief. Thank God victory is here. I mean, you think, uh, as we're recording this, we're only 21 days into the war in Ukraine, and I don't know where we'll be by the time people are listening to this. Uh, but you think about people in those besieged cities yeah. that cannot get any sort of humanitarian aid. And if a convoy were to be able to get through with food and medication and supplies the rejoicing that would go up in that city. And that's the kind of feeling you have here in Palm Sunday because the people are oppressed. And as Jake said, everybody has some sort of burden. These people had all the interior burdens that you have, that I have, but 
that and our listeners have, um, but they also had, like many of us also, external burdens. Just they were oppressed. They were struggling in all kinds of ways. And Jesus was here to, to set things right. So um, to me, this is just a picture of the need of humanity and God's compassion and love for it. And he doesn't try to correct him. He doesn't say at this point quite, he lets them have that moment. And I think, you know, you can cry out to Jesus, um, blessed is the king who comes in the name of the Lord. Um, and, and, you know, thanks be to God. Um, so there's a proper and good recognition of our great need, Jesus' ability to save us, and just being excited about that. And that's, that's something I think that's absolutely appropriate to talk about. Yeah, and I, I love this last, the, this last line. I mean, this is really what Mockingbird is all about. On one level, you know, the Pharisees in the crowd said, no, teacher, order your disciples to stop. And he's like, I tell you, if these were silent, the very stones would shout out. And, you know, I think in a, in a culture that is becoming more and more biblically illiterate. I mean, I think as we look out into the culture, uh, you even in the midst of all of that, you see the very stones crying out and um, crying out for redemption, yep. crying out for salvation. And, uh, and uh, so, you know, and I think this also has a lot to do with expectations because when taken as a whole, I mean, you know, because in a, just in a few minutes, the entire congregation, especially if you do the drama, um, is going to yell, crucify him, crucify him. I mean, we're going to go from blessed is the king who comes in the name of the Lord to crucify him in uh, a matter of minutes. Now, it'll be a week in the, in the biblical time. But, you know, um, uh, while we shout out and we, we uh, get excited, uh, we begin to realize that Jesus oftentimes doesn't meet our expectations. He's not fixing the situation in the Ukraine. He's not, I mean, I have been praying like nonstop that somehow uh, I've been praying to St. Vladimir the Equal, who's the patron saint of both Ukraine yeah. and parts of Russia, that good Lord, move on these people's hearts. And it doesn't, you know, and it, Jesus in this moment is not meeting my expectation. Uh, but ultimately, yeah. Jesus meets what we need and he gives us what we need. And that is salvation. And indeed, the Ukraine, Russia, whatever is going on in your life, will not have the final say. And uh, behold, uh, he's going to make all things new, as we're about to see. Uh, yeah, and one thing I would say, just one other little thing about this passage, is if you, uh, we have a lot of new people at St. Albans that have never been in an Episcopal church before, and one thing they notice is that we make the sign of the cross uh, when we say these words, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Mm. And uh, not every Episcopal church does it, Uh if you, you know, maybe Jake, you're too low church no, to do, I do it. it. I don't know. I'm, you I, do it. You get up. I'm do it. All right. signing myself and doing manual acts. All right. Look at you. Uh, and so the I, the reason one does this is because you are cognizant as you're celebrating the Eucharist. Uh, and as the priest standing at the holy table or as the people in the congregation, that the people who said, blessed he who comes in the name of the Lord, here on Palm Sunday, they also then turned around and said, crucify him. And so there's, you don't say those words, blessed is the one who comes in the name of the Lord, out of some sort of like rah-rah Jesus, but there's some humility and recognition of our low anthropology, of our fickle, capricious human will That's that good. just turns on a dime. And so it's like, yes, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Also, Lord, have mercy on me, and I need your cross. Yes, you come in through this triumphal entry, through this gate, into Jerusalem, but you also then go to Calvary, and, and I need that. So that's what is going on with that action. And, the, you know, and that's actually that. very powerful. Every Sunday, essentially, we reenact 
Palm Sunday around our altars and tables. When we do that, when we say, you know, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord, Hosanna in the highest. And then we enter into uh, the Last Supper and his passion, death and resurrection for us. And so essentially, you know, every Sunday in an Episcopal church, uh, from uh, Rite 1 to Eucharistic A, A, B, and C, and uh, D, we are remembering this. We're remembering his total passion. And uh, when we do this in remembrance of him, uh, we are brought right into the story once again. Yep. And so now let's talk about the passion. So if you're, mm-hmm. if you're preaching this service, folks, uh, you know, um, it is hard to talk about this Luke 19, just the triumphal entry reading, and not because just because the whole well, service I, moves I, on I, and then I you preach read the for a solid hour and a half on Palm Sunday. <laughs> you know, I really I feel like well, I've got to you know just exegete every passage, every line, verse by verse, the whole council. People hanging of God. on every word, as David Zoll says, the whole council of God, Jacob, the whole right, council of right, God. That's right. Well, you're you're clearly a better. Better man than I, Jake. As if there were art, if there were any doubt whatsoever, now we know it for sure. But uh, if you're not doing that, and you are like uh, me, maybe going to preach more from the passion narrative. Um, uh, what would you? Say? It's a long reading. Uh, we've got a couple options in our denomination. Uh, again, looking at the Episcopal lectionary, it might be a little bit different in the RCL, the Official Revised Common Lectionary. But uh, it's Luke 22. Mm-hmm. 14 through 23, 56, or you can just do the 23, 1 through 49 uh, if you want to go a little bit shorter. But, uh, I mean, it's basically the, so that's, it's the, the question there is whether you're going to read some of the kind of prequel stuff, uh, the Passover meal, uh, the betrayal of Judas, and all that sort of stuff. Um, Simon, Satan wants to sift you like wheat, etc. Um, I tend to do the long reading. We don't do Sunday school on Palm Sunday just to give ourselves extra time. Ooh, that's good. Uh, because the services are just long, and, and frankly, they are enough. Like, there is a lot in there, so it's kind of enough. Um, and uh, we, which is actually what uh, what Jesus says when they say, look, here's two swords. He says, that's enough. Um, but, uh, yeah, the... It, I would do the longer reading because the story is just so rich and there's just a lot there that it's so poignant, those conversations around yeah. the dinner table. Uh, I think what I tend to emphasize, one of the things I like to talk about here is Jesus's intentionality. Um, and this is why I have the longer readings done here because it includes the Gethsemane stuff. Mm. Um, uh, Gethsemane means olive press. And it's because we're the place, it's, and you can go to this hill, it's across the Kidron Valley within view of Jerusalem. You can walk it, you go down the hill from Jerusalem and then up to the Mount of Olives. Uh, and it, there's an orchard, uh, olive orchard at the top, and it's, um, it was called Gethsemane, this garden, because there was an olive press right by the olive trees where they would pick the olives and then press them for the oil. So it's the same place, and as he's there, he's praying, and um, the whole, if you're willing, remove this cup, but not my will, yours be done. And um, the disciples are asleep. And what I realized the first time, and the only time, I make it sound like I've been there a lot, you've been there a lot, but when I went to um, Israel and was at the Mount of Olives, what I realized was that it would have been nighttime. Jesus was outside the city walls of Jerusalem. It would have been dark. And he was basically home free. Uh, If he'd wanted, and it clearly he... He knows what's about to happen. That is, let this cup pass from me if it's possible. 
he could have just walked out into the darkness, out into the Judean countryside, and nobody would have ever been able to find him. And he's already, he knows Judas is going to betray him. Uh, he, uh, he knows that the disciples are about to leave him. Uh, he knows that they don't get it. He knows that in earthly terms, his ministry has now largely failed, and he could just peace out. But he stays, and what he does, and it's not as clear in the text, but when you go to the space, you really, when you go to the actual place, you see what happens. He just basically waits because he prays long enough so that we get to this verse while he was still speaking, suddenly a crowd came and the one called Judas, Judas was leading them. So he basically goes outside the city and sits there as a sitting duck as long as he needs to so that he can get arrested because he was free. He had escaped. It's basically like Timothy, uh, t- uh, Tim Robbins in Shaw- Shawshank Redemption after tunneling through under, like he's, he's outside of the prison. He's free. He could just go. But he sticks around and he just waits for Judas and the crowd to come and arrest him because this is what he is coming to do. And that's the, that's the love of Christ and the intentionality of Christ and the, the, um, the sheer purpose of Christ to, to do for us what we cannot do for ourselves. So that's something that I would talk about. Uh, I, I'll, you know, the look at Peter, the, the, when Jesus looks at Peter as he denies him for the third time is also an incredibly powerful moment to talk about. I, I think if I could sum up all my passion narrative sermons they basically are like the disciples prove at every point in these stories to not be worthy of what jesus is about to do for them he's about to give them the biggest gift in the history of the world they prove themselves unworthy at every single opportunity and he never leaves jesus never decides to change the plans he never swerves from his purpose because he is this loving God that wants to save us. And it's actually because of our sin, maybe. That's why he wants to, well, not maybe. That's why he wants to save us. So those are the two things that I would talk about. Jake, where would you uh, add, take away, correct, fill gaps? What would you no, talk about? I mean, I think uh, there's, I mean, there's just so much. And that's, once again, why I'll be preaching for two and a half hours. You won't want to miss it. And um, <laughs> uh, we're allowing everybody to bring uh, their own lunch to church that day. So, you know, I just keep going. You know, in the old special days, special pillows, that, you know, especially yeah, bean bags, and so giant sacks with. Uh, you know, <laughs> so, uh, I you know, there's a couple of there's a lot you can do, and I I think I'm gonna steal something you just said, but uh, I mean Please. I love the scene, and who who can't? But the the great exchange that takes place in this passion, the great exchange between Jesus Barabbas, Jesus Son of the Father, and uh, Jesus, uh, the real Son of the Father. And, you know, and uh, it is true, um, as Luther said, you know, the world just isn't, uh, you know, getting dark or something. He says, he says it's, it's absolutely true that if Jesus was alive today, we would crucify him just as we did, you know, oh, so many years ago. And, uh, yeah. and that, is, that is the case. There is parts of me that shout, give us Barabbas all the time. But in that, you know, the Son of the Father is betrayed and crucified so that you and I might actually become sons of the Father. And, uh, and so I love that, like that great play and the, the exchange. Um, then the other thing, um, and I, I'm going to save that till a Monday, Thursday, so, but uh, the, the, the issue of the cup. Um, but uh, the other thing that I love is the, uh, the idea, the least, the most, the least, the least pretentious moment in the entire Bible takes place here with these two criminals, and mm-hmm. you have uh, there on the on the on the place that's called the skull Calvary, and uh, there uh, Jesus says, "Father, forgive them, for they do not know what they are doing." 
And indeed, that's the case of our entire lives. You know, your problem mm. isn't, as we say in the confession, isn't so much the uh, done parts, but the left undone. Your problem mm. isn't the known parts, it's the unknown parts. All of the little things that we've done that have thrown the, thrown the, um, the, the, the rock into the still lake that have caused ripples just to go forth. I mean, the world is a giant mess, and uh, as the Ukraine uh, demonstrates, as the pandemic before it demonstrated, as, uh, you know, just so many other things continue to demonstrate, uh, humanity is not a case of an upward climb reaching towards God. It's a uh, downward gracious extension of his arm to save us. And so, and that is embodied in Jesus saying, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. And it's in this moment that you see these two thieves, and one known as uh, Decimus, uh, the great Saint Decimus, the good thief, and then the other guy up on top. And, uh, and uh, you know, there one mocks him and says, save yourself, and, uh, and he doesn't, because that's, that's the expectation of the world. Save yourself. And, uh, but yet, while we were still sinners, Christ died for the ungodly. He didn't die for the basically good, and you see this in Demas. Uh, and in that moment, even on his deathbed, he says, remember me when you come into your kingdom. And Jesus doesn't give him a list of things to try or, you know, uh, or do, but says, today you will be with me in paradise. Uh, the now of God is right then and there. And uh, with faith in his name, no matter how far you've gone, you will always be saved. And I think that this is an important Sunday for evangelism. You'll have a lot of people in there uh, who, uh, you know, will need to hear this message and need to be reminded that Christ has come to save them. And so evangelize them and, uh, and uh, remind them of their baptisms and that this good news is for them and that they, instead of, if at all possible, uh, should join you on this uh, pilgrimage as you follow Jesus from here into the upper room to the cross, into the tomb, and then to resurrection on Easter Sunday. Amen. Well, that'll do it. Uh, and don't be like Jake. Preach a short sermon on Palm Sunday, because uh, which I know Jake will anyways. I will. But, uh, it's going to be the service. Twelve minutes max, ladies and gentlemen. Twelve yeah. minutes max, because it's a. Because the reading of is long. We're going to have communion, a lot of liturgy. There's waving of palm branches. Kids, it's going to be actually our kids. first Sunday back in our our church. We're finished oh, with the renovation. Cool. We're finishing it up. So it's going to be like it's going to be like super triumphant. And then we're going to be like, crucify! So it's going to be odd. But that's the point. It is an odd Sunday. It's a weird... Jesus dying is a weird, dark thing. Wonderful but, thing. Uh, wonderful thing. Well, All that'll right. do it for Palm Sunday. And we'll, uh, we'll be dropping some episodes this week uh, as well for Mondi... Thursday and Good Friday, uh, we'll do a, a combo on that one, as well as for Easter Sunday, uh, and just you know, spoiler alert: Jesus, uh, Jesus rises from the dead. Yay. Just FYI. Um, so uh, this will cut. This obviously will drop the Monday before Palm Sunday, and uh, and probably Jake, as I'm thinking about this, will drop the, the Holy Week stuff on the same day. So, anyways, mm -hmm. check your podcast app, and uh, we'll see you guys soon. Thanks, everybody. Uh, for listening register for mockingbird hope to see you in new york and uh you know if you want to support mockingbird you can also go to ember.com and do that thanks for listening guys we'll see you uh see you in new york somebody's looking somebody cares somebody wonders what you're doing
Thanks for listening to Same Old Song. Hope you found some gospel nuggets for the pulpit or for your life. If you like what you heard, leave a review or rating in Apple Podcasts. Dave Zoll will be sad if you don't. Thanks to TJ Hester for audio production. And remember to keep that Bible by your bedside, ready to rock and roll.